Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to Special Education Advocacy with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow, and I'm so happy you're here. Happy New Year, friends. Welcome to 2022. I hope you were able to find some joy. I hope that you were able to exit 2021 with grace. I hope that you have your eyes set on a really great 2022. I'm not much for New Year's resolutions. I'm the kind of person that would probably get really anxious with New Year's resolutions because I'm kind of always resolving to do things better. It's the anxiety in me that drives me to want to try new things, to try to do things better, to try to be more efficient. Um, and so I'm not really big on New Year's resolutions. But I do love kind of the turning of the page, some kind of um, ceremonial stop of one time period and start of another. I like the idea of a fresh and clean slate. Now, a fresh, clean slate can be the next um, tick of an hour on the clock. It can be the next tick of a minute on the clock. It can certainly just be Sunday, the beginning to a new week. But if it is for you the beginning of a new year, then I say, have at it. I am here to support you and I'm proud of you for committing to your New Year's resolution. If you're like me and you feel a little anxious by stuff like that, I'll tell you that when, I, when Jack was born, my dad said to me, you know, if you try to really kind of control or plan for all of this baby's life, you are going to go nuts. And so what you need to do is you need to focus on the now. You need to look at that baby right now and know that he is healthy and that he is beautiful and that he's sleeping or he's taking his bottle or whatever he was doing at that minute. And you need to know right now in this moment, Jack is okay. And if that carries you through to the next minute, then great. And you're just gonna go minute by minute all the way through until those minutes can be chunks of time. Maybe it's days, maybe it's months, maybe it's just half days at a time. But if you look right now and say, everybody here is okay, you're gonna do a lot better through this process. And boy, has that ever helped me in so many ways, particularly raising my kids. So maybe that little bit of wisdom will help you. Okay, so I wanna tell you a little bit about today's episode, but first there's a little bit of a warning. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about the parallels between this new activity or torture that I'm doing to myself, which is running, and the parallel between running and special education and special education advocacy. Now, if you are not a runner, I do not want for you to run away or to walk away or to crawl away. I want to tell you that I do not identify as a runner either. And I'll tell you the same thing that I told Griffin's friends the other day. One of them said, oh, Mrs. Barlow, I saw you running. And I said, listen, I don't call it running. I call it shuffling with flight phase. 
Now, you, if you have a child that struggled to run or ran later, then you know that running technically includes flight phase. I think that means that both of your feet have to be off the ground at the same time for it to technically be called running. And so what I like to, to call my exercise is shuffling, where I do have both feet off the ground at the same time most of my steps, <laughs> because it certainly doesn't look like running. And I said to the, to the sweet little teenager that was trying to compliment me, I said, listen, you think about people that you, that you think of as real runners, you know, think of Mrs. So-and-so, she's a runner, right? Now, how many text messages do you think she gets that say, I see you out there running and you look so great and I'm so proud of you for doing this hard thing. I get like one a month. <laughs> so if people are cheering you on, then you probably are not a runner. So don't think that this episode is from some like, you know, marathon runner. This episode, in fact, is not really a whole lot about running, but it's about how real life things are kind of parallel to special education itself and to special education advocacy. And I'm hoping that by telling you a little bit about these thoughts that I have as I'm running, that you'll be able to make some parallels in your life. And the reason I think that's so important is because special education advocacy is intimidating for a million different reasons. And we aren't going to get involved in our child's educational journey. We aren't going to feel like empowered team members on those IEP teams if we are grossly intimidated. And so I'm trying to draw a real life parallel for you so that you understand, yeah, sure, like if Ashley Barlow can run, believe me, it's not pretty, then I can get involved in an IEP team because it's really just like this other struggle that I have. Before we get into today's episode though, I do want to invite you to my special education and advocacy conference, which I'm holding on January 22nd, 2022. The conference is running from 9 a.m. Eastern until 1 p.m. I have 20 presentations all lined up for you. I'm not positive that all 20 will come to fruition because this is the way that we have to go during these weird COVID times, but I'm hoping that we get 20 presentations and that we get some really good information for you. I had the Special Education Advocacy Conference last year in January, and I was quite frankly overwhelmed by the response from you guys. We had hundreds of people attend the conference and register for the conference. Now, if you can't make it to the conference live, I will be selling VIP passes. The VIP pass will give you the ability to watch all of the sessions at your leisure on demand. In order to get the free pass, you simply sign up on my website and you get to choose one presentation per hour. And if you want to be able to watch all of the presentations or watch and watch on demand, then you simply get that VIP pass and you have access to all 20 or almost 20 presentations, depending on how many trickle in as we offer grace to the presenters that I have rounded up. I've got almost all new presenters and we cover a wide range of topics. Check it out on my website. I can't wait to bring you this conference this month. Okay, let's hop into today's presentation. I started running 
in probably March or April of 2021. I really didn't have any goals. I just wanted to run. You, If you have listened long enough, you probably know that I have four compression fractures in my back. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, yes, I am in my basement again. I did not resolve to <laughs> have a more professional background for every one of my podcasts or good lighting. I thought I had better lighting, but it's not. Um, and if you watch me, you see that I fidget quite a bit, and that is because I have a bad back. I have four compression fractures and lots of stuff that comes along with that. I got hurt in a gasoline explosion when I was 15 years old. And so now that I'm 43 years old, I have arthritis and probably bursitis and all kinds of yucky fascia stuff. And so it's quite uncomfortable. And I've been going to the same physical therapist, my friend Sarah. If you live in Cincinnati, I'll hook you up with her. She's the best. Um, and Sarah had told me when I first started going to her that I should not run. I had never run before, um, but she had said that was something I shouldn't do because of the, compre the compression. And in a conversation that was actually kind of uncomfortable, in March or April of 2021, Sarah said to me, um, there's nothing you can't do. And I was like, oh, Sarah, there are. Like, you have always told me I can't run. And she said, no, you can run. And, you know, I had done a triathlon um, just before COVID, and I walked the running part. And I said, well, it would be kind of nice to see if I could run the running part of a triathlon. But let's see. And so I went home. I was still kind of uncomfortable from the talk that I had with Sarah, but I reflected on it for a couple of days. And I wrote her and I said, you know, I think I do want to see if I could run. I don't know if I can or if I can't, but runners... I think with my anxiety, with my like, go, 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 I think if I could run, I would be more grounded. And she said, I agree entirely. And you're going to need a lot of work before you um, are able to succeed at this, but let's see if we can get you set up. And so together we worked on some exercises, some strengthening, some stretching, um, lots of PT work in order to get me prepared. And I started to run. So I had lots of preparation before I set out to run, um, but I really didn't have any goals. Yeah, I kind of thought about this triathlon thing, but I really didn't have any goals. I really just set out to see if, A, if I could do it without pain, and then B, kind of what my baseline was. So there's a park that is, if you go on the sidewalk about a mile from my house, I know this, um, sometime I'll tell you about the time that Griffin my teenager ran a half marathon as a punishment. <laughs> I did not think of the punishment. He thought of the punishment, no training. He ran a darn half marathon. Um, and so I know that the shelter on that, at that park is 1.2 miles from my house because he ran that loop like 12 times and it turned into a half marathon. Um, and so I guess round trip is 1.2 miles. And so, and, and that's very flat. So I started just running on that little private street. And I could run maybe 0.2 miles. And then I could run 0.3 miles. And one day I ran downhill home from the park. And I thought, well, gosh, that was really awesome. That was like 0.4 miles, almost a half mile. 
And so I kind of built up, but it still didn't feel like running. There was walking in between, you know, if it was a 1.2 mile loop, I certainly wasn't anywhere close to 1.2 miles. But eventually I did, I got up to one mile. I would walk to the end of my street and I could run to that point in the park and I could run all the way home and I could get up to one mile. And as I got up to one mile, I realized that with my Apple Watch that I had some consistent stuff. So my cadence was about the same, the number of steps that I take per mile or per minute or whatever it is. It's 153, I don't know what it, what it actually is, but I know it was 153 and now it's about 156. Oops, I was gonna look it up and I just started a workout. So I knew that my cadence was about the same. I knew that I was running a 13 minute mile, which seemed much slower than what my gym teacher told me was reasonable for running. Um, I knew that my heart rate was about a 180, which was super high for a person that identifies as a swimmer and thinks that she has really good cardiovascular fitness. And so I kind of then realized that at the one mile point, when I could consistently run one mile with a day or two of rest, I realized that that was my baseline. My baseline was one mile at a 13 minute mile. Well, around that time, that probably took two months-ish, um, and Griffin started practicing at an outdoor pool that was a little bit far away from our house, and so I couldn't drop him off. It, it wasn't practical to drop him off and then go back home and then go back out to pick him up. And so I had this two hour time period where I was kind of far away from home and I thought, well, I could work for two hours, but I could also take advantage of this time and I could work out. And so, and this pool, I think we only went there twice a week. It's hard to remember with COVID, we've kind of tracked pools all over town, <laughs> but I think we were there twice a week. So those were the days that I ran. So I would sit outside at a Panera for an hour and I'd have a cup of coffee and I'd um, work and then I would go run for an hour, including my stretching time and my um, physical therapy exercises and that sort of thing. And that was kind of nice because it was really dedicated time where I knew that I was um, kind of committed to running. So every couple of weeks as I did that, I would add 0.5 miles. And as I kind of realized that, I thought, what am I working for? Okay, here's what I'm working for. I am now working for the triathlon. I am now working to be able to run 3.2 miles at the end of a sprint triathlon. And the triathlon was scheduled for July. So by mid-July, I want to be able to do 3.2 miles. And so I knew that I was going to have to add on mileage pretty aggressively because that felt like it was really close in time. Well, as it turned out, Griffin Swimmeets, you know, COVID, I'm sure um, that your kids and your students have had lots of things kind of up in the air. And so a swim meet came up and then another swim meet came up and then blah, 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 blah. So we ended up doing um, the triathlon in September and Griffin actually did it with me. But my goal was to be able to do those 3.2 miles by the September triathlon. And believe me, I would not have made my goal <laughs> if the triathlon had been in July. And so I started just looking at my distance. That was the only thing I was looking at. 
I wasn't looking at that cadence. I wasn't looking at my speed. I wasn't looking at my heart rate, except to make sure I was staying alive. I was just looking at my distance. Can I increase my distance to get to 3.2 miles? I got stuck lots of places. I got stuck around 2.2 or 2.3 miles. I could not go higher. My heart rate would be 180 again, and I knew that I couldn't safely keep running, and so I would have to stop, and I couldn't get to 2.5 miles. The day I got to two and a half miles was like a celebration, pop the champagne. I picked Griffin up from practice, and he was like, no way, you did it? And you know, for a 14-year-old boy to get that excited was pretty exciting for his old mom. So I achieved this 3.2 miles in late August. Um, I think right before the kids went back to school, I remember that I ran three miles on the first day of school because um, I was um, kind of nervous about Jack going back to school after a year at home remotely. And I thought I am gonna run so that, uh, you know, I'm delightfully tired and my anxiety is a little bit better at bay, I suppose, um, on this first day of school. And then the triathlon was set for mid-September, I think about two weeks after Labor Day. So I had about a month then from the time that I achieved my distance goal to make sure that I had the endurance to then run that far after a swim and a bike. So I met my distance goal. I met my goal, but there was still work to do. Now I'm gonna tie this all into special education advocacy here in a second. But my, my speed was still pathetic. And so what I did was I thought, okay, I've met this 3.2 miles thing. Now let's see if I can get a little bit faster because it's not practicable for me to run and to bike and then run or to swim and then run because I'm a mom with two jobs and a million other things to do and I can't commit my entire life to this. So let's see if I can get my speed up because maybe that will help me to do better in the triathlon. So what did I do? I called Sarah. And I said, okay, now I need to get, I think I wanna get faster. So what exercises do I need to do? I felt like I needed to get stronger. I needed to get fitter. I needed more cardiovascular fitness, but I felt like it was strength. So I went to her and it turns out it was my ankles, which was weird. And believe me, ankle strengthening exercises are terrible. Um, that was super painful as I was working through it. And I even sent her a text message one time and said, I think I'm just gonna live with weak ankles. Can we do this some other way? This is terrible. But I wanted to up the ante. I wanted that speed. So more physical therapy more actual running. I was running more frequently. And I kept my distance low. I didn't do those three miles very, very often. I kept my distance at two or two and a half miles in order to up my speed. I kind of was playing with the metrics. Well, sure enough, I got down to a 12 minute mile and then down to 11 minute mile. And I could do an 11 minute mile for the first mile, but then my second mile would be in the 13s. And so as time went on, I now can be in the 11s for the first two miles and then in the 12s during the third mile. It took a little bit and it took some specific work, but I got there. Now I couldn't also work on that distance goal 
because if I was working on distance, I wasn't going to be fast. I had to prioritize. So I, we ran the triathlon or did whatever you, whatever you, I don't even know the verbs. We, we participated and finished a triathlon. My goal, if you followed me long enough, you probably heard me say this. My goal was to stay on the apparatus. So <laughs> during the swim, I wanted to swim. I was not worried about that. Actually, though, strangely, I was the most sore from the swim because I'm an old lady and I haven't swum in a pool with a bunch of swimmers in a very long time. Um, and my arms and my lats were really tired from swimming in the waves. I needed to prepare by swimming in waves. I don't know where I would do that in Kentucky, but that's what, that's what I needed to do. <coughs> Excuse me. I am still not over that flu that I had in January. Um, so we did the triathlon. It was great. I wanted to, to keep running or keep swimming during the swim. I wanted to stay on my bike and not walk it, which I walked quite a bit of the bike in my first triathlon and I wanted to run the entire um, 5k and I did it. I stayed on the apparat tie, apparatuses. I stayed on the apparatus when I was doing each of the three sports and I did great. And I think Griffin even maybe got third in his age group or something. Of course he did beautifully as well. And so what happened? I was like, well, that's the end of that. What are we going to do? But of course, I love this running. I do love how tired it makes me. I do love the cardiovascular fitness. And so now I kind of do maintenance runs. I've kind of toyed around with some new goals. I've kind of explored maybe increasing my distance. I've explored um, trying to go a little bit faster, although I think this is my top speed. I've kind of hit this like maintenance phase and I probably will think of some new running goals. So how does this all parallel special education and special education advocacy? Well, the first thing is in special ed, we oftentimes say, what's the baseline? What's the baseline of that goal? And that's what I was doing in the spring when I was running by the park. I was getting my baseline. How fast am I now? How far can I go now? What is my starting point? Where am I? And do I have the potential? Is this even something that I can do or I can do safely? So before you write a special education goal, that's what you need to explore. You need that baseline. And then once you write the goal, you have to track the goal to see if you're doing better. If I didn't have my Apple Watch, I wouldn't know if I was getting further. I wouldn't know the distance that I had gone unless I went out and drove it or I walked with one of those like wheelie things that um, engineers use. I needed something to track my distance. I wouldn't have known how far I was going. Now, this takes a lot of additional work behind the scenes. Right, My physical therapist actually was the person that provided me my specially designed instruction. She helped me to be able to achieve my goals. And it wasn't just, she didn't just say to me, okay, well now run another 0.1 miles. And now run another 0.1 miles. And eventually you're gonna get up to 3.2 miles because that isn't all I needed. I needed help with breath control and with strength in different places and um, with other cardiovascular pieces. And so she worked, she helped me and she got me stronger and more prepared so that then I could add on that mileage in a healthy way. That is the specially designed instruction. 
I need to do the work, right? Do the work. I need to do the work to get to that distance. If I don't do the work that she has assigned for me, I'm not gonna get to that distance. So the strength work, the breath control, nutrition, hydration, the, the running mechanics, that was the specially designed instruction that I got from Sarah. And then we can talk about the big D, the data. There are so many things to track, right? We talked about my cadence and my distance and my heart rate and, um, you know, all of those things, my, my speed. We talked about all of those things. Now, my original goal was distance. I wanted to get to those 3.2 miles. That's super easy to track and it did improve quickly with some kind of hiccups along the way. So then once I moved on to speed though, it wasn't as my trend line wasn't as favorable. So after the triathlon, when I moved on to, okay, now can I get any faster? or I guess before the triathlon when I was trying to get faster to improve my cardiovascular fitness, I was like, why am I not getting any faster? What's going to happen? Well, of course, I went back to Sarah for more specially designed instruction. But what was really happening was that data was being affected by so many different factors. It was getting affected by the distance that I ran, by the weather, by how fatigued I was, by what was in my head, by the music that was on. What I learned was I could get the distance done, my initial goal, without a whole lot of ancillary stuff going on. Like it didn't really matter how long it took, but the speed, that was a goal that I really had to work on. That was a goal that I really had to push and there were so many factors that could affect it. If it was super hot, I was not going to be able to go super duper fast. And so what I had to do was I had to look at the data as a whole. I had to look at it over a longer course of time to make sure that I was in fact making progress on that goal. So of course we can parallel this to special education. Sometimes data and special ed will look bad, right? But when we look at the notes around the data, or when we look at the data as a whole, it's totally fine. Maybe data looks bad because we've added something, like new sight words, or we've increased a reading level. All goals, and especially behavior goals in particular, will be affected by those outside stimuli, right? By the child's fatigue, by sensory stimuli, like a noise in the hall, or um, the lights have changed, or maybe it's pressure from um, a weather system that's coming in. Illnesses, heck, if you're a teacher, even the moon can affect a child's behavior. And so what we have to do is we have to look at the behavior, or the data rather, we have to look at the data as a whole. And we have to have notes about specific data points to help us kind of interpret what that data looks like. Okay, the next one, this is number four in my list here. I wanna tell you another little story about running that happened not too long ago, which actually made me think about this. So I actually did a longer run about, I don't know, a week ago. It was super spontaneous. I was running, I had decided I was gonna set out and run three miles and that's to another park in town. And so I thought, oh, I'll just run through the park to, to circle back and that'll be a different, um, 
a different route, something else to look at. Maybe I'll see some kids um, and I um, will hit a hill. And so, you know, win-win. And I thought, oh, I could go around that loop um, and that'll add a little bit of mileage. So I went around one loop and I was like, well, I could go around the other loop. Um, and so then that added a little bit of mileage too. And I was like, well, good, this is gonna be an extra long run. I'm gonna go further than 3.2 miles. And I didn't really think about it. Now, something that I also didn't think about was the fact that my watch had not charged the night before. So my watch died on my run. So I have no idea of the actual distance that I ran. I have no idea what my heart rate ended up to be, what my how my heart rate recovered. Um, I don't know what my speed was, but I do know that it felt pretty good. I do know that I stopped and listened to my body because I didn't have the technology and it almost felt freeing. It was just me in my own head. So feeling the air and listening to my body and seeing the kids play in the park and waving at the other walkers and runners kind of put me in this zone that really helped me to kind of tune out and just get that mileage done. I wasn't distracted by the data. I was able to just focus on the goal and it was fun. It was super fun. So what's this mean in special education? Well, sometimes there's mistakes in data, right? Like sometimes the, the stopwatch doesn't work and the child can't do the thing again. And so that grace with those kinds of mishaps is essential to the teamwork in special education. Sometimes you just have to estimate. Technically, an estimate is not okay. From a technical standpoint, teachers should not estimate on data. However, as you see in my running example, from a practicality standpoint, I'd argue that it might actually be okay. Now, another thing that happened on this long run was um, the second loop is under construction. And so the sidewalk had a little stop and then a little start, and I had to run through a little bit of mud. Actually, it was a ginormous pile of mud. And let me tell you the parallel here. There's a lot of mud in special education. There's a lot of quicksand that we have to walk through. And so you know what you have to do? You have to stop. You have to stop. You've got to shove the mud onto the curb. You've got to slide your shoe onto the curb and shove that mud onto the curb. And then there's still gonna be a little bit of mud in the grooves of your shoe. And what you have to do is you have to keep running because the running is what is going to actually clean your shoe. Unless you go through the tedium of using a toothbrush to clean your shoe, which nobody has the energy to do. Maybe if you do, then then that's awesome and you should be my friend. You have to keep running. It is the running itself, the work, the good attitude, the perseverance, that's what cleans your shoe. And friends, there's the parallel. The work, the perseverance, the good attitude, that's what gets it done in advocacy. Now, if somebody had been on that sidewalk, if somebody had been there yelling at me, questioning every move that I made, tripping me, or doing anything, frankly, other than waving at me or cheering for me, 
I would not have gotten those four miles done. I think it was 3.8. I would not have gotten them in. My work would have felt double. It would have been so exhausting. I would have had work to do in my head, in my soul, and I would have had the work to do on the sidewalk. The parallel here is we have to work together in special education. We are a team and we have to work like a team. We have to wave at each other. We have to cheer. We have to support. Sure, we can ask questions. Sure, we can do that specially designed instruction. Sure, we need to push each other to be the best. We must have the teamwork. The good, here's the good lesson. Teachers out there, it's okay to have fun. It's okay to be spontaneous. Parents out there, it's okay to have fun. It's okay to be spontaneous. Heck, you might even reach a PR by simply being spontaneous and having fun. And it's okay if you can't even record it. It's all okay. I hope that makes special education advocacy a little less intimidating for you. I will see you next week, same time, same place. And I hope to have a conference speaker for you so that you can get a little preview to the conference.